0: welcome back guys Dgs happy Thursday time for the think tank a few minutes past 5 pm we have an all-star lineup today all veterans here we have Stacy Washington Jeffrey Boyd from the 22nd in the city and Keith Antone how are you guys doing good to good, see you good good you all look Hello. especially good today what's going on here you and your velvet dress and everything <laughs> bringing my a game I'm saying <laughs> I don't get to come in
1: here a lot so I'm reminiscing about
0: the good old days when I came in here in sweats and tennis shoes yeah um I want to start some more weird today uh, let's start high concept, because I was watching television this morning. And of course, this is the world I live in, being in the media myself. But I had this question I'd, I'd like each of you to kind of address. What is the difference between, in 2020, news and propaganda? Hmm. I feel like it's thinner and thinner all the time.
2: Uh, in my mind, news is about facts and propaganda is about smoke and mirrors. Oftentimes, um, politicians run for office, and it's about selling you a dream. Um, have no intentions of doing anything that they're talking about or most things that they're talking about. And um, news is basically things that are fact-checked and, and things that you know people have accomplished when they talk about their accomplishments and they talk about their abilities and their qualifications. They have something to back it up.
3: You know, with me, I think the news is – the things that happen and you report it. The propaganda is really more what I would consider to be your opinion. Okay? And this is the way I'm going to spin it. This is the way I see it. This is mm-hmm. the way I personally feel. And I think, to a certain extent, all of us have a certain amount of propaganda that that we portray. Yeah. And so yeah, I Walt really— Walter
0: Cronkite had an opinion. Exactly. Yeah. And
3: I, I really think it's the difference between your opinion and, you know, someone just straight for, you know, straight straight shooting uh, the, 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 the news. So— Uh, that that, that's my take on
1: it. Mm. well my take is that um, opinions are your personal thoughts and feelings on issues they're your personal views and news is what happens reported independently without opinion injected into it it's what who what when where how and that's it Mm -hmm. and then propaganda is an agenda that is created by individuals who wish to sway opinion in a certain way so there is a difference between propaganda and opinion because if that's the case, then we're all propagandists. And what does propaganda mean if all of us are doing it?
0: Right. So. It seems to me that when I was a kid and a young man, that it was probably 90, 10, 90 percent, 10 percent, 90 percent news. And then you'd have Yeah, I remember even like the local uh, anchor behind me would say opinion <laughs> and they would give an opinion or the opinion in the in the uh, St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Now I, I feel like it is flipped and maybe you get 10 percent just, hey, this happened there's 144 new you know coronavirus cases or what have you uh, and it's so subtle like uh, not just to pick on the left or CNN but i flip around like most people and in the mornings the poppy and what's his name show uh which itself there you go which mm-hmm. bills itself as news yet they just can't not spin it and Fox does the same thing. But I I just feel like it is a real disservice to our country and to especially the young people of our country that they're going to grow up not really knowing what news is. They're going to think that propaganda is news.
1: Yeah, but if we go back to the, you know, YouTube is forever, we go back to the tapes of, like, let's say, the Clarence Thomas hearings and look at how the senators behaved in that and then look at how the news reported it, there was a slant back then. So that's, what, 25 years ago. And if you go back to my childhood, I remember distinctly, My dad would get up at 6 and I'd be up by 630 and the TV would come on and we're watching Armed Forces Network. So there's one channel. And in the morning it was from about 5 a.m. until 8. It was CNN. And Bobby Batista and Lynn Vaughn would literally sit with one of those little fat back computers in front of them. And they would glance down and say, you know, Joe, so-and-so reporter is going to come to us from, you know, in this foreign country. Mm -hmm. And then they would go to him and he would be on the ground reporting the news. Contrast that with what you see now today on CNN. It is there is no news on CNN. And I'm saying that as someone who's been on there and they've actually sent me topics beforehand and said, this is what we're talking about. And then I get on I'm on the chair just a few streets over from here at Channel nine studio. The camera goes live and he says, today, we're going to talk to Stacey Washington about so and so. Now, I'm I'm well-read. I keep up on the news, but I can't know every single topic and be able to discuss it. I at least need to have some kind of notice. This is what we're going to talk about. And they would do that to me so routinely that I have I no longer go on that station. Not because I don't want the, the traction. I mean, their ratings are in the trash can, but there's still millions of people who watch that. And I would love for them to hear the perspective of a black conservative from a Christian worldview. But I can't go on there if they're going to try to trick me mm-hmm. into looking unprepared. That is when you get into propaganda. I was recently quoted in a news story down in uh, Jefferson City. They misquoted me because they need to make me look unintelligent because I'm a conservative. I'm black and I'm not supposed to be over here. I'm supposed to be with the Democrats. So I have to be maligned. I have to be attacked and I have to be made to look to be less than I really am. Instead of just presenting me as news should, as face value. Take it or leave it. If you don't like what she says, don't like it. If you don't like her, don't like it. They have to actually degrade me and downgrade the way that I speak, my language and my viewpoint in order to make it so that I can't be validly over here on the right. That's propaganda. Opinions, we all have them. We all have a right to them. And those are important to have. And I want to hear other people's opinions, but Mm -hmm. I also would like to hear news. And that's where parenting comes in. You have to teach your kids how to discern Mm -hmm. propaganda from news. But if you don't know the truth yourself, then you're probably not going to get that propaganda meter right. Good
0: answers. Jeffrey, I like what you said, too, about the difference between in campaigning facts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dave Glover, I want a new radio show. I've been on the air 20 years. Here are my ratings. Here's my revenue. As opposed to, oh, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and everyone's going to listen, and I'm going to have a 50-share that's just make-believe.
2: And then news in my mind have become about sensationalizing stories instead of just really talking about the facts and how you can help people overcome adversity or whatever the issue may be at at that moment. And it's really sad. I mean, I, I, I take to heart what Stacey just said about, you know, people trying to just tear you down because they do have an agenda. And all the cable networks, I look at all of them, I flip through and all of them have an agenda at the end of the day. But I like to be able to discern what the facts really are. Mm-hmm. And that's important. And that yeah. is what I try to teach, you know, my kids to discern between, you know, what's reality and what's real.
0: Yeah, we're so desensitized. Like this is a little bit in the weeds, but I can't stand the Fox News alert because it's never an alert. It's always the same story that you've been doing for eight hours. I
1: love the way it sounds. Dang! I know it's the bell
0: because you're breaking just news. like Pavlov's dog. You're like, oh my god, it's a Fox News alert, and then they're like, it's the same damn thing.
3: Well, so. the CNN does the same thing too, right? At the top of the hour, breaking news.
0: Right? Yeah.
3: This is what you've been wanting because I watched The watch 12 TV hour countdown yeah. to Mayor
0: Pete's. Yeah. What?
3: Yeah. So i, I yeah, think they all you, do it. Yeah, but you.
1: So we don't have cable. So I don't get the Fox News alert unless I'm in someone's studio or if I'm at Fox News. So I don't get it. So I, that's why I like hearing it because I, ne- I never get to hear it. I don't hear the Fox News yeah. alert. But I do get to, because I only watch the clips and I only watch news online, I get to kind of say, okay, instead of watching the whole show where a show is crafted, you have a monologue and then you have guests and then you have stories and all of that. I'm just watching bits of it. And then I'm going and finding out what do these other people have to say about the same thing? It takes me longer, Mm -hmm. but I know I've gotten more than one perspective. And the Bible says you're supposed to take all of the viewpoints before you form your opinion And you lay them up against, obviously, the facts, which takes research. And then you say, what does God's word say about this? Which you should have known to begin with because you should have been studying your word. Now, I know if you're listening and you're secular, that's nothing to you and that's fine. But Dave asked me in to share my
0: opinion. Mm -hmm. You (laughs) remind me a lot of Alvin Reed. The two of you calm me because... uh, a lot of times Stace, I'll have you on and and, and even I will be like Stacy Stacy uh, this just happened and you're always like you never look yeah, like that I don't you really always care. look cool <laughs> like but you'll 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 say like you know what I don't I don't care about that
1: well I, I, don't, care say, I don't care some about some of that stuff that. some of the stuff uh, honestly the older you get the less you care about everything there's this couple of sayings online that are not safe for work that kind of apply that you just don't care but it's not that you don't care about anything it's just that some of the stuff if you have to boil everything down and say, "Look, I only have so many hours of the day that I can pay attention to something." And I need to make sure that what I'm paying what I'm paying attention to is in the majors. And then you add in the minor stuff as needed,, yeah. then you will get to a place where you're kind of like, well, I mean, I do care about some of the stories, but I don't care enough for it to be like my major main thing. And some of this stuff, like we are so far away from, even though obviously the Democrats are in a real battle over who's going to be their nominee. We're still kind of far away from them making the total decision. So it's not catastrophic yet. I mean, I I just did a thing on Lifeset TV about um, the end of days for the Democrats if Bernie Sanders is a nominee. Well, is it really going to be the end of days? I don't think so. But James Carville does. So I watched him talk about right. it on MSNBC. <laughs> and, and he had some know, great that's, comments.
3: And it's so interesting you said it because I, I, I don't even think that – You know, it's it's way too early as as you talk about the nominees. It's way too too early. Back in nineteen ninety two, the first eleven caucuses. Bill Clinton lost the first eleven caucuses slash primaries. The first eleven. And he went on to what? Become president for eight years. So I yeah. think you're absolutely right. It's way too early. Uh, Pete's not to your make...
0: original point, though, that's not going to sell donuts. No. To say like, hey, what's going on in 2020? Well, it's kind of early. Let's talk about something else. Yeah. That
3: doesn't, that doesn't sell. Well, yeah.
0: but, but there's
1: so much news. So yeah. this is what yeah. I've, I've done. So you go through, go to CNN on YouTube, see what all the clips are. Go to MSNBC, go to Fox News. Then... Head over and check out somebody like Tim Poole or some of these younger people who they just do it like a 10 to 20 minute show on one or two topics or go to one of your blog sites where they do highlights of the news. There's so much news. I remember when we used to actually be able to get a fully rounded view of what was going on in our country. No offense to other countries. I mean, God love you. But I want to know what's going on in America. And we don't get that anymore. Like you can get a little bit at night on the nightly news. But some of that's just the rip and read from the AP and I no longer trust the AP. So I'm kind of like, dang, I, 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 I know that where you got that story. Mm-hmm. Like unless it's from St. Louis and they're actually on the street interviewing St. Louisans, a lot of that stuff just gets ripped and read from AP. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I hope I have a calming influence because I oftentimes will be just driving to the next thing thinking turmoil, destruction. But it's not. It's not turmoil and destruction. We're in America, for goodness sakes. It's awesome. All the time.
0: Let me, uh, Tony Colombo asked a, a good question last night, and Rich, I don't remember who he asked it of, but um, oh, I was Jeff Smith. He said, Which is worse for the Democrat Party, uh, four more years of Donald Trump or a Bernie Sanders presidency? I thought that was an interesting question. Like 20 years from now, which, which of those would be worse for the Democrat Party? Of course,
3: four more yeah. years of Donald Trump. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So you guys ahead. haven't
1: seen the clips. of Well, first of all, Bernie Sanders vacationed in communist countries for his honeymoon. The guy actually thinks communism would be a viable option for America. He is advocating for privatizing or taking the private health care market away from 177 million Americans, like my husband and our family, where we get employer-sponsored insurance. 177 million people would no longer have insurance for 30 million people who are uninsured, who need an option. he's he's All of his policies are top-down government control. He believes, he's actually said it, he's never denounced it, that the government should own the means of production, which means we're sitting in the studio right now, which I believe is owned by Intercom, and he believes that the government should own the station. Good luck getting our three permanently tanned butts on the air if the government owns this station. I mean, you guys... The worst thing that could ever happen to the Democrats, which I'm sorry, guys, but I hope it does happen, is that Bernie Sanders is your nominee because he if he be ever the becomes the president, he, won't be the he will destroy the Democrats. I think what y'all should be advocating for in letters and calls and whatever you can do is that the Democrats would say you can't actually be our nominee because you're not a Democrat. He's not a Democrat and he's not one of you. I I believe you guys are like regular Americans and you've served in the military. That guy's never had a real job. How can you possibly say a socialist would be
0: good for America? All right, we'll pick it up right after this. And I'm going to try to stop thinking about Keith Antone's permanently tanned butt. Welcome back, guys. DGS Think Tank. We have Stacey Washington, Jeffrey Boyd from, uh, I almost called it the double deuce. Please tell me no one calls... The 22nd, the double They do. do
2: all the time. They do, do all you? the time. No, they do. Okay, I thought, man, dude. I J-B, thought I'd wandered J-B into. JB from
0: the double deuce, baby. I thought I walked into douchebag territory there. <laughs> like, Jeffrey's going to stand up, no. smack me, and walk no. out. Oh, no. Like, don't say double deuce. No, 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 no we say it all the time. All the time. Okay, <laughs> good. I'm cool, then. That's,
3: only, that's the only way I know him is JB from the double I
0: fell backwards into cool. And Keith Antone. Uh, okay, so Tony's question from yesterday turned out to be a good one. I, I asked my panel, which is worse for the Democrat Party long term? Four more years of Donald Trump or a Bernie Sanders presidency? Uh, Keith and Jeffrey both immediately said, oh, Bernie Sanders and Stacey took him to school about took why that's not true.
3: To, to, took us up one side down the other. Four, four years of Donald Duck would be better than Donald Trump. Yeah. So let me just put it <laughs> out there. Anybody we have in the field right now will be better than Donald Trump. Period, point blank, end of story.
2: Yeah, here's what I want to preach about the current president. The current president is a very divisive person. Uh, He cares only about people with money. He's a liar. And very few Um, of those. Integrity means absolutely nothing to him. I think that... I'm looking at the Republican Party of potentially imploding, all getting behind somebody that they know is unrighteous. I think what happened with the impeachment trial and everybody knew that he would not be convicted. But look at what has happened with Roger Stone's sentencing. Look at how he's attacked the people who were honorable enough to come up and testify that they know of some wrongdoing. We are headed toward just devastation with Donald Trump. I mean, it's. To me, he's un-American.
1: Okay, wait. And he's very so, untru- I'd
2: rather have somebody in there, in there that you can bicker and fight with and try to make sauce and get something done. There's somebody I cannot trust.
1: So now that you've attacked him personally and all of the kind of CNN talking points, could either one no, of you... No, those are Jeffrey
2: Boyd talking okay, points. Okay,
1: awesome. Good for you. Can any either one of you give me the things that the Democrats would actually accomplish in the economy, the health sector... Uh, in anything, any area of public life that is impacted by the federal government, which candidate, any candidate, what Democratic Party platform item, because I, I understand that people don't like Donald Trump, but I'm looking at results. I'm talking about the reduction in regulation, the judges that he's appointed that I'm totally on board with. I don't think he's a liar. I've met the man, I know he's not a racist, and I absolutely know he cares about more than rich people because I'm not rich and I benefited from the tax cut. There are other ways that I've benefited from his presidency. I could go on and on, but I'm so I'm just dying to hear how your candidate, any one of them, is going to do better on the economy, foreign policy, jobs, healthcare, any of the items. Well, Stacey, judges,
2: first of all, the economy was a decent economy when he inherited. I don't need it. decent. And has I need awesome. He made some policies yeah. that may have made it better. Yes, but at the end of the day, our economy is You're still not telling me what your guy who. would do. It's working for who? One of the things. Everyone. That I'm sure the wages are would up do. for
1: everyone. The largest wage increase we've had since I've been an adult, is in the lower income spectrum. People who are working minimum wage and retail have a larger increase in their wages than the people in management.
2: Some wages are up in the city of St. Louis are getting ready to come up because the city of St. Louis embraced $15 an hour. I'm we, talking are, about
1: what we already have done in the economy that is demonstrable through the reporting that Stacey, has come from our federal agencies. Some people that I agency.
2: represent have not felt this booming economy impacting them in a great way. Now, you live in a world, in a universe that... You're doing well for yourself. I'm sure you're at least a middle-class African-American family. The people that I represent are poor people. They are struggling. They're uh, working two jobs to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. They don't have money invested in the stock market.
1: It's not about They're not stocks. doing well. But now, and and yeah, there are Americans stock who are— about because I hear
3: that talking part oh, all the time. Wait what, a minute. Mark, Mark Cox likes to say, what about your 401K? Wait a well, minute. 401K So you're
1: saying that wage increases— and lowest unemployment, record low employment, record, record low unemployment, unemployment.
3: He got for black. You know no, that he got absolutely not. That no, you can track the jobs going up. You can track the jobs going up. Of
1: course, there was some some increase during the Obama administration. Okay. I, I'm I'm about the facts, Major so I'm not going to sit over here they and say that in the there was when none. Obama took over, but. So we're going back to blaming Bush? No, I asked you guys to tell me what we're your guys what would do inherited. to improve the economy. And look, we if you want to go into the Obama years and Let's rehash that, we healthcare. can do it.
2: I think the Democrats are going to focus on making affordable health care even better. Right now, a lot of our constituents are struggling with medical debt because yeah. they don't have affordable health care insurance. And Republicans are running around here trying to take a so Medicaid pre-existing for all existent illnesses. No, they're not.
1: President Trump's policy on health care is not to take away preexisting conditions. Check the website. Okay. What else you got? Okay. Well, I'd like to share. Um, So, here's what we've got. Um, We have done a ton of things to improve the economy under President Trump, and that's a that that is the reduction in regulations. that unleashed our small good, business owners. Well, but you can't show us. Change, but, right? You I can't mean, show there, a specific instance where the reduction. The climate, in uh, Yeah. OK. But that's that's impacting jobs. That's that's actually that's impacting
2: doing Impacting people's health.
1: OK. I I can't agree with you on that. Um, and, and I have to say it's funny that. I, I'm sitting here waiting on y'all to tell me about y'all's candidates and what they can do. Well, first of all, I'm and not running can't... for president,
2: so I'm not going to no, offend anybody but you're going to vote running. for them. But you
1: I, said any of them would I be better do than Donald
3: Trump. I do not my children that, exposed that, that, that to somebody who's
2: be honorable, who's divisive, and who does not really care about them. Your
1: I am children not aren't exposed that. to him.
2: He's the president of the United States. They listen to what he says. They read these ridiculous tweets. They are exposed to him.
1: Your children we read Twitter? Yes, I have teenagers.
2: I have grown children.
1: Okay, so do I. So why Um, would you think,
2: wait, first of all, why would you think my kids don't read
1: Twitter? Well, because I was assuming they were a little bit younger, and I never let my kids have access to that kind of social media until they were teenagers. And now that they're teenagers, they understand that if you're reading tweets, you're reading them in context. I actually don't have a problem with the president's Twitter feed. I also didn't have a problem because I voted for Bill Clinton. That was my first vote. His second second presidential run was my Mm -hmm. first vote. So... I don't have a problem with that. People who go in to do tough jobs, dirty jobs, often are not the same demeanor as our sweater vest wearing friend Mm -hmm. Mitt Romney. Mm -hmm. And he would have lost and he would have been completely overtaken by Nancy Pelosi and the squad where President Trump has stood up to them. Now, again, this isn't about whether or not you like him or his tweets. I'm talking about policy and I haven't heard anything yet. Let
2: me ask you this. If you had a person in a community and this person was... Robbing and stealing and hurting other people. Is that what Donald Trump is doing? Listen, just listen. Okay. And they were robbing and stealing, taking advantage of people. However, they were taking some of that revenue and they were actually helping people who were in great need. Does that make that person a good person?
1: Of course not. Who's doing that? I'm using president that, Trump is robbing people and stealing no, from but, them and then giving it to no, a few
2: rich not. folk. What I'm saying is you're saying he's doing
3: some good work. But at the end of the day, he's, he's done dividing awesome people work up. He's you're you're divided because he's giving you're the rich folk. He's giving it's 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 his family is the, the tax cut benefit the wealthy. They don't and need me, any more money. Who I'm
1: not wealthy. It didn't benefit and me. me that much. OK, well. Here's 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 an is issue wealth? that I'm having. Define wealth, here's then. here's Define an issue.
2: That is it if you have a million dollars, you have five hundred thousand dollars well, two hundred thousand? I go with, 000, I go with 50, the standards 000. that
1: they put on you Tell know who's middle class. Are. Well, okay, so the median income for a household in the United States right now under President Trump, mm-hmm. household of four, the median income is sixty eight thousand, no, which is up, up almost ten thousand dollars since the beginning of his and, presidency. And that median is
2: based on half and, above, and that's half below. Subjective too, right? Because no, it's not have subjective. A lot of Definitions that's have meaning. Of dollars, and then some people making ten thousand dollars. So you know, so you, you your take whole this median amount. So the and, whole issue that it, you have with President Trump
1: is that he's picture. rich. Sometimes and we that have to drill down and people, look at what's
2: really happening in our communities because it's like the weakest link, right? You're only as strong as your weakest link. And we have a community that's struggling and you have crime, and you have poverty. Sooner or later, it catches up with those and who how, have more.
1: How do Democrats take care of those issues? If you elect a, de- a Democrat as the president, what would those what would that person well, in their administration all, do to help that, those first issues? First of all, it
2: would be my hope that we have a president that really cares about our infrastructure so we can put people to work. Right. Building our roads and bridges. That so would help. You think right? that's
1: the primary economic driver Absolutely. is infrastructure, I not think, private businesses? Did I say primary? I didn't say it was primary. That's I was what just you said was... you
2: one thing that we can do. Mm. That I will hope that the So president the president actually wants to have an infrastructure
1: package, but Nancy Pelosi is not willing to do it, and that well, kind of a Mitch bill McConnell originates a in the lot house. Of
2: bills, probably hundreds of bills over there that the, that the house have sent to him, and he's sitting on social policy really bills.
1: Those those are not bills to deal deal with infrastructure. Those are bills to deal with. Uh, punishing people for, as you guys like to say, who they are. What do you so, mean about that? Well, I mean, one of the bills that they are, that they just wasn't, the, they just passed a bill, something to do with um, making every person who enters the country illegally, automatically a citizen. That's what the people in your party are working on. And you're saying Donald Trump's a horrible person. When we have 1,800, uh, fiscal year 2017, 1,800 mm-hmm. kidnappings, over 5,000 armed robberies, Uh, Just hundreds of people who were sexually assaulted and raped. All of those were done by 122,000 well, illegal aliens. Okay. And your party wants to legalize those people and not have any vetting process for people coming into the country. Basically destroy our immigration process. And you're saying that Donald Trump is the one who's robbing people and destroying them and doing mean advantage stuff to of them.
2: Illegal aliens. He owns companies in which those workers, migrant workers are doing labor, sweat labor for him to benefit people like him and a lot of hotel people workers circle. who were illegal we aliens not were let go
1: after they were found to be in the country illegally working for Trump Hotels.
2: Plenty of people are still here working with people like Donald Trump and his cronies. Mm. And we would and not they have, be. There's going to be a special coming on, um, I think it may be MSNBC. Uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, watching it. And it has to do with where our food comes from. And how so many workers are low wage workers that are picking fruit and vegetables and it's getting to our plate. And if it wasn't for them being paid pennies, we would be paying an enormous amount of money for the food that we consume. Let's pick it up there.
0: This is officially the least words I've ever said during a segment, (laughs) and I love it. (laughs) It's the Think Tank and the DGS. Quick break. Welcome back, guys. DGS, the Think Tank. We have Stacey Washington, Jeffrey Boyd, and Keith Antone. So we have had this discussion many times, um, and I'm probably, probably the least qualified to talk about it, so I'll just ask the question. As I look at it, and I... The farthest thing away from an economic savant you're going to find. But all the economic numbers I see, including women, minorities, are the best they've been in 50 years. And, Jeffrey, we've had this discussion many times here in the think tank that it helps, it helps, it helps, it helps until you get down to a certain strata of society, and then it doesn't help. Mm -hmm. And you obviously think that the Democrats can... Uh, we can hear that. That the Democrats uh have an answer or a better answer for that. How do we do that? Because there's always going to be a lower economic class. Yeah. Even if that lower class were making a hundred grand, there's always gonna be, okay. So the Trump economy, we'll just call it, and and I'll grant you that Bush was terrible, Obama were doing better, and then Trump is just dunking the ball. How do you or your party, keep jump into to raise that so that more people are being helped by this economy that all the numbers look great. But at some point, it's not helping these people like the people you represent in the 22nd. What do you do? What do you need? How do we do it?
2: Well, first of all, criminal justice reform. We've right. already
0: done that. First um, Step Act done. More, President Obama did that. More do it.
2: investment in our educational system, especially our urban centers, public education systems where they have crumbling school buildings, underpaid teachers, right? And um, more training opportunities. I mean, that's just a few off the top of my head. But if you don't, uh, pro- and mental health is another one. Poor people have been taken advantage of, they've been just you know, put out there in poor conditions without a lot of equity and access to what most people who are middle class have been exposed to. You can look at our public school system and use that as a case study. The St. Louis County Schools versus St. Louis City Schools, you know, every uh, resource they could possibly think of out there, they had computers and laptops years before St. Louis Public had them, right? Do you want to so know how our that kids gets are done? behind? But do you right. want
1: to know how that gets done? I'm willing to listen. Okay, because I, I, I really get upset by this because I was an elected member on a school board, so I've seen how school board budgets work, and it was in a AAA-rated district, the number one or number two rated, depending on the year, in the entire state of Missouri. So I've spent time working on this, and I also worked on a program to help get the Black Achievement Gap to collapse it for black kids because that achievement gap exists in inner city schools and it exists in the suburbs. And I didn't want my kids to fall into it. I couldn't really understand it. How can you be at home with both your parents there and doing well and you can't test. So first off, you're talking about the uh, money that's being spent and you're saying more money needs to be spent in the inner city schools. Mm -hmm. Well, inner city schools usually have a higher per pupil expenditure because they have to spend more money on security that, and so that, that is built into the, the pie. So Money from the county actually goes up to the state level and then gets redistributed so that even in the city schools, those schools are supported by the suburban schools. That's the first thing. The second thing, and you can check it for yourself that I didn't, I didn't write the law. I'm just telling you about it. Mm-hmm. The next thing is that you're talking about um, the, the difference between like when computers come into a building or when smart boards come in. Mm-hmm. Well, as a mom, when our kids went to school in public schools for the first uh, like through grammar school. That happens because parents come in and they say, my husband is using a smart board at work. They just brought 20 smart boards and he's using it and he thinks it would be great here. And a parent or a group of parents will get together and buy a smart board and put it in a building as a test. And then they say to the school board, their elected officials, I want you to make room in our budget to put smart boards in all the buildings. The school board says there's no money for that in the suburbs where you think all the money is. And then the parents get together in their PTAs and have fundraisers and raise the money to get them and they start the program off and then over time. the school district replaces them and bills them in. That doesn't happen in lower socioeconomic strata districts Mm -hmm. because the parents don't have the money to raise that stuff up. But it is not built into the pie. Now, a lot of parents who would listen to you talking about this who live in the suburbs and their property taxes are high because they're sending their kids to Christian school but they're paying property taxes to the public school and their local taxing authority are going to get really bristly at listening to you say we need to send more money to inner city schools that are already funded at pretty much the same level, but have that huge built-in security cost. So the issue goes back to the families themselves. When I talk to you about a smart board coming in, this is something I watched happen. I'm not this isn't something I'm making up. I watched it happen in our district. There were no smart boards, and then all of a sudden one elementary school building had them because a mom and a dad did it. Mm-hmm. The others replicated that and that's how they came in. These other programs Technology people will, you know, your technology district person will advocate for them and they have to get it built into the budget. And so it's a long, multi year process. Mm-hmm. The issue isn't the computers in the building. It's that kids are showing up to school and kindergarten having only heard 20,000 words where their suburban counterparts have had 50,000 words. And that deficit persists year after year until fourth grade when they usually are not at reading level. Mm -hmm. So it's a parenting issue as well. And I never hear the Democrats talk about that.
2: Again, it goes back to equity and access. Right. So what you just said is that. In the St. Louis public schools, a lot of money goes towards security, whereas in county schools, it does not. Mm, so There's how money we, going to security so, in county, so county schools we as well. So how do we smooth that out? How do we equalize that whereby my child in St. Louis public schools could have access to the same resources, notwithstanding the fact that you have this huge security cost? How do we put them on a level playing field so well, they have the exact same uh, school education choice, opportunities?
1: School choice is the level playing field. Well, we tried in Florida, we schools
2: we're, in, in the city of St. Louis. No, That's a big deal. And we're we're not a debacle, about, right? We're
1: not talking about charter schools and, 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 the way they and, and, were done here the florida and, model actually and, and, works. And,
2: and let me say this to you because obviously stacy you don't know a lot about living in inner city and public, we lived in the first right?
1: we lived in okay. the inner city so, and one of our it, kids went to public school in the city of st it, louis Please so, don't so, try to so, talk so, down to so me because I'm, I'm some all, rich suburbanite. First I'm not going
2: to talk down Actually, to you and already be have. disrespectful.
1: You already have. Well, you because have said things Because you said I'm obviously doing pretty well for myself as a middle-class person well, when my husband and I you, started you, living in the but city. But that's, that's how you presented when yourself, is that you were
2: doing good in the economy. No. no. What's wrong with that? That was a compliment. No,
1: it's not. Not the way you said it. and and here's the deal
2: that way because I didn't mean to offend you. Well, thank you for the apology. So let me tell you this. My daughter went to canard right so i'm gonna speak to exactly what you just said and how it makes sense i'm gonna agree with you but there's still we have to talk about equity and access my daughter went to canard at canard most of us as parents when they needed something we bought it for the school we came to uh parent teacher comp we did all that kind of stuff so she got a better enriching educational opportunity that i wish other Children in the schools that was not canard would have gotten the challenge that they had was that maybe their parents were less educated. Maybe their parents had to work a lot because they couldn't make it to the schools. There's a lot of issues. And if we care about children, we will look at that and make sure we fund our system in a way that it benefits everybody, period. So I know what you're talking about makes sense. But. You can't just say, well, you know, they're all getting about the same amount of money, so you just do the best you can with it. That's that's what I I hear you saying. That's
1: not what I said. And You can't
2: compare St. Louis County with St. Louis City. You just said your security. Security is a big, big expense to St. Louis Public Schools. Jeffrey,
0: it sounds to me like you're saying, and we can get into why, but it sounds like you're saying that there's a parenting gap, that some of the lower-income families – uh, the parents are not as engaged. I'm not going to say that they don't care as much because that's a that's a judgment, mm-hmm. but they're not as engaged in the education of their kids. and it could be because of systemic things going back generations. but well, is I'm that is that it. fair to say that there is a gap?
2: there is yeah, absolutely. there is a gap. that's
1: a fact.
0: and then
2: so how, how do you feel
0: that Can but you- how
1: how does money take care of that gap? So the the issue that I have is not because it's not about me not caring. That's why I got elected to school board. That's why I did the research before we moved to the district we moved to. And when we were in the, the one year they were in public school, I thought to myself, this is this is absolutely untenable. And there weren't other parents there who were willing to work with me on it. So, I had to go someplace where I could at least link arms. Yes, St. Louis City. We lived in the city for years before we moved out to the suburbs. No, I I just think it's really interesting that I can't care because somehow I'm doing well for myself or I'm on the right. And maybe that's not what you implied, but that's what I got out of what you said. That's what what you want to walk away with. No, I don't want to walk away with anything, but that we have shared information and that you understand where I'm coming from and I understand where you're coming from. The fact is, much of what I did when I was here on this station for, on a a weekly basis was mm-hmm. talk about school choice and improving public schools. Public schools were my main joint until we decided they weren't going to serve our kids well, and we moved to another option. But in every case, all the writing I've done on this issue, all the speeches I've given on this issue have been geared towards saving kids who look like you and me, who are languishing in public schools and ending up in the prison pipeline. I absolutely care about it. And it is my duty to care about it, not just as an American or a permanently tan person, but as a Christian, I have to care about it. And I've put money towards it. We've donated towards it. And I put my personal time and energy towards it. The solution is not more money, and me saying that doesn't mean I don't care. It means I've already researched it, and that's not going to do it.
2: Okay. Um, it's going to take more money when you get through talking because well. there are a lot of issues that you have to deal with. Some of these schools actually need social workers because of some of the issues these kids are dealing with at home. And they come to school and they bring it to school and they're disrupting the classroom. So my child cannot learn because your child is being disruptive. And all the teacher can do is sit there with the child or you send them down the hallway somewhere. But that doesn't help that child. We need to care enough about that child to get that child some help.
0: We've got one more segment coming up after this. DGS. It's the first time we've had a personal song request in the think tank, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Keith Antone thought this would be appropriate. I
3: mean, it just kind of fit the mood, you know.
0: And, uh, you know, it's it's hot, baby. It's hot. You've you've been you've been noticeably absent during the last couple I, of segments I was say, here. I mean,
3: I'm. I on thought the, you went to the bathroom uh, for a hadn't second. Jeffrey had tagged me in, you know, and he didn't want me to get a oh, piece I, of the yeah, I saw him reach. I just didn't uh, see your hand anywhere. <laughs> Look, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa! You take that on? No, no. I mean, I think both of them have some good uh, good and valid points, but I do think though, I want to get back to what you said about the the, the gap and, and 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 throwing money at it. I mean, you know, because I've been blessed to, and Jeffrey has known me for a very long time, to have been in lived lived in the city, had city schools, and then blessed to I can send my son to uh, uh, to CBC, you know, and my and my other two children to to another Christian school. So I've been, I've seen both, and and I do think it is a matter of opportunity and resources, you know, and and that's just a bunch of hogwash that the poor parents don't care as much um, as as the parents that have. More money, right? I mean, they do, and you just have to learn how to get them, you know, get engaged and and and, and challenge them, mm-hmm. and, and and they love their kids just as much. They just have a lack of resources, you know. A friend of mine, Harper Sullivan, used to always say, "There's no such thing as a deadbeat dad. It's just a dead broke dad." And so and so, what happens is that. They just don't have the same resources as Stacy had talked about. So one parent comes in, oh, I got the whiteboard, and then all of a sudden, they, the, you know, the parents get together and buy the whiteboards, right? It, it, they, they don't have those same type of resources. But I do think that, you know, training, uh, education, job opportunities, you know, things like that. Home ownership is another way that we can get, you know, kind of balance the field out a little bit, you know. Um, so there's a number of ways I personally think, and here's where we, you know, with the opinion, that I think that we can close the gap. Uh, education certainly being one of the sh- uh, sh- more surefire ways uh, along with, you know, job training and and, and and home ownership and some other things.
2: I, I would like to hear um, Stacey comment a little more about um, social um, uh, justice reform. Uh, she said, "Done that." And I wanted to kind of go back to that. What has the Trump administration done? The criminal the criminal justice, justice reform area.
1: Are you talking about the First Step Act? Because that's what I mentioned.
2: Well, what does it do for um, communities like St. Louis City?
1: Well, the it's, been it's so it's a nationwide program, and basically, it's former incarcerated society transformed safely transitioning every person Act or First Step Act. And it reforms the pre- criminal justice system in America. And so you have people who have been incarcerated. And at the time, the sentencing guidelines were very stiff. This comes from the crime bill that was passed in the Clinton administration. And some of those guidelines have been looked at. And they found that it, it was just excessive for the crimes that were committed. And so individuals who fall under that, and there's a vetting process and all of that, um, are released early and given resources to try to re-enter the community And make lives for themselves instead of languishing in prison, Mm -hmm. and so this is something that obviously President Obama did um, do—a very small. He did like a a early release for some people who were, you know, basically vetted, and it was a program that they did. But the first step act goes a little bit further, and it was passed by President or signed by President Trump on December twenty first of twenty eighteen. And um, it actually retroactively applies the Fair Sentencing Act and allows for employees to store their firearms securely at federal prisons, restricts the use of restraints on pregnant women, expands compassionate release for terminally ill patients, places prisoners closer to family in some cases, authorizes new markets for federal prison industries so that people can be incarcerated closer to family, and mandates de-escalation training for correctional officers and employees and improves feminine hygiene options in prison for women.
3: And so you say all that, Stacey, do you really think Donald Trump gives a rat's ass about um, uh, the prisoners and, and, and the folks that that that, dire- that are being directly affected by that? I mean, do you really think he cares about that group? Well, uh just... Or is that just a way for him to, 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 to try to get more minorities over on his side and in his camp to vote for him? It seems like— I don't really think that guy cares. I don't think he has.
1: So, I mean, I so two things. First of all, if he if he really didn't care because he's the president of the United States, um, he would not have signed the legislation. But I, I, I think the other part that really it kind of needles me about what you saying he doesn't care is I've, I've met him. I've actually met him and I've spent time with him. I've seen him speak 10 times. I've been to White House since he's been the president. Uh, Eight times, I think I'm I'm losing track. My husband said it's no longer cool when I say I'm going to the White House. I have to say I'm actually going to be hanging out with President Trump or someone important. So I've been there a ton of times and I'm not the only one out of all of the people who spend time with him on a regular basis that I know he is concerned about this issue. And yes, of course, it's a campaign issue. Every issue is a campaign issue when you're running for reelection. Absolutely. But I think it's really it's crazy to me that. Before he was president, when he was hanging out with Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and writing checks to their organizations, do you know that Reverend Jackson actually lived in one of Trump's properties for a while, rent free because he needed to? I mean, he did that for Jennifer Hudson. It's not just wealthy people. He has pulled people up out of poverty and given them jobs in his organization because they were socioeconomically disadvantaged and brought to his attention by other blacks in his organization. He's done that. That was before he was ever elected. So I just think... You know, you don't have to like him. I'm not here to get anybody to like President Trump because the fact is most Americans at 325 million plus are never going to meet the president of the United States, whether it's a Democrat or Republican. The fact is, it's the policies that count. So whether you like someone or not is irrelevant. No, I'm talking I go, about his policy. I, I, I never, know, but you I just never, said, you do never you never think heard he, heard he, he gives a rat's ass? I don't think he Yes, I do.
3: I don't think he does. I, I do, well, but I just gave you some
1: reasons why I think he does, and, and you're and discounting no, those. I didn't
3: discount them. Nope, nope, nope. That's your opinion, and so you're welcome well, to. I, but this, the first step back is to an actual policy that he signed. And and, and, I, and I don't think he did it genuinely. I don't think he genuinely cares about anybody other than his family.
1: But you're have you imputing motives now.
2: No, I'm talking That's fact. I have another
1: question. It's not a um, fact that a, he doesn't care about anybody but his family.
2: As it relates to criminal justice reform, do you think it's fair that people have spent their time in prison and they come out, whether they're on probation or parole, should, you know, have to wait another should wait till they get off parole in order to get their voting rights back? Because yes, I never so they understood do. what does voting rights have to do with The crime that you committed, unless it was a violation of the voting.
1: So a citizen, the the office of citizen is the highest office in the land. Mm -hmm. It's not the presidency. It's not the elected members of Congress. It's citizen. Mm -hmm. The Constitution provides that. The Federalist Papers provide that. The founders talked about that Mm -hmm. extensively when they were deciding what type of government we would have. Representative government, which means everyone who is in Washington, Mm D.C., is recallable and fireable. We don't have any Uh, you know, any kings or queens or anything like that. No one is owed power over us. We give them the power, consent of the governed. We -hmm. pull them back when they don't do what we like. That being said, you're talking about, so you commit a felony and after that, you have to work your way back. In most states, there's a a way for you to get back after parole. You can get your voting rights back. does that
2: make sense? It makes
1: sense, absolutely. So I, I get out of jail
2: and I'm on parole for the next five or 10 years or whatever it is. And I'm working every day. Matter of fact, I've gone to college. I've earned a degree. Matter of fact, I've even started my own business. But I can't vote. Taxation without representation. I have representation because there's somebody I'm living to have to represent me. But I have no power to vote for them, right?
1: Yeah, I. And the power I to vote should be granted based on that. the
2: Constitution. So if we're really going to be serious about that, and that's just a pet peeve, man, I would want to just know your perspective. My perspective you know, is that it's fine because you have an overwhelming amount of minorities that are incarcerated. And it was done by design because they've been socially engineered in their communities. and So they
1: don't have any responsibility for committing a crime and going to prison.
2: Well, they have some. But if you really dig down, some of them have been manipulated. Some have never been shown a better way of, of of getting to the next level. And so they become victims of this society and end up in prison. Some so of not I, all, I, I disagree that all of it is their fault. Certainly there's personal responsibility we should take. But you have some people in circumstances where... They see no way out and they get caught up. They get caught up in this criminal justice system because they have no mentors. They have nobody giving them guidance. And they just going along with everybody else because that's what they see them. Well, on.
1: you're talking about the breakdown of the family when you say that's they don't have anybody. Um, but I can't I can't well, when I can't impute. incarcerated.
2: Then you look to the streets.
1: But what about the kids who don't look to the streets? There are success stories. People who have actually had those circumstances that you're describing it's who have minimal. not committed crimes. It's minimal. So the people you, who have committed crimes deserve a pass based on a,
2: a small amount of people.
1: Well, so every person who commits a crime who's black should get a pass because they come from circumstances that are negative and don't, don't aren't conducive we should be to doing considerate well. Consider
2: it in how we sentence them and not take their rights away from them. What about what about kids who are
1: suburban kids who their parents and get divorced and they go on drugs? I just happen to say, yeah, they me more. but what about the kids who grow up in the suburbs or in rural areas and their parents are on drugs and they're strung out and. You know they they got mount they got mouth they got mountain dew mouth and these are people that um, really commit crimes they do meth they kill people they drunk drive whatever do they get the pass too?
2: Well, first of all, if you're killing people, you don't get a pass. But that's what but some of
1: these people are in prison for that you're talking about. But, uh, they had of, bad circumstances and they've killed in people. Prison
2: uh, for nonviolent offenses.
1: Well, you didn't and really delineate that, so is I that what you're saying now? I am
2: your perspective in, in general. We're just talking Well, I Well,
1: I, I can't get general about rapists and murderers and, and people who've committed there. gun crimes, armed robberies, uh, kidnappings, sexual assaults, yeah. child molestation. That's <clears throat> the kind of stuff <clears throat> I can't really Jeff, get. Jeff, I have a big, you
0: know? big question for you. When you say that uh, a l- overwhelming number of minorities are in prison because uh, it's been engineered, mm-hmm. was it engineered, do you think, by white people, by Republicans, by the government? Like, who, who engineered it?
2: Um, the government had some part of that. Because when you go back, you think about how crack cocaine was introduced, you know, to the United States, and how um, you had a lot of petty drug dealers out there trying to make a hustle, and how, many, and how so many of them went to prison, and how Bill Clinton came up with this three strikes you out, and then you had this pipeline. But remember, it was the black
1: pushed... community who asked Bill Clinton to tighten up on the crime because neighborhoods were being destroyed. Now, you
2: know what? And sometimes we have to be careful. We ask for. I happen to be the type of person I'm thinking that if I make this decision today, how does it impact us? down road? especially being a legislator. If I vote on this, how will it impact us next week and years to come? And unfortunately, when people are in their emotions... They ju- they make laws based on their emotions, and they right. really don't understand the impact of what they have. It was
1: black clergy like and people in dads communities up for
2: not paying child support. That is the most insane thing to do. So you lock this man up for not paying child support. You don't stop his child support, but he's in jail for a whole year for not paying child support, but and I, he's not making money by but the way. But the, 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 the child support so, lockups—that's
1: that that's one thing. But when you talk about the Clinton crime bill, I I don't understand everybody completely panning it when. Black clergy and community leaders came together and said, yeah. do something about this crime. And it wasn't that they were in their emotions. Their kids were getting killed. Yeah. Their neighborhoods were being destroyed. These are hardworking Americans who happen to be permanently tanned, who were watching their neighborhoods go from really nice neighborhoods to drug infested hellholes, And they were literally saying, you got elected on our votes. Do something about this. And so when they cracked down on that crime, a lot of people got incarcerated. But those neighborhoods... No longer degraded, and those kids stopped being killed. So, I, it's not it's not getting in your emotions to say I'm, I'm you want sure to see crime
2: getting killed. Now, I'm not well, sure. Well, so the, you're if saying it didn't have an impact? I, I read better, I read, read plenty over, of research. Overnight. It
1: it it turned the tide. I mean, uh, it turned the tide.
2: You know, once you destroy the neighborhood, the proliferation of drugs and everything, the neighborhood is going to crumble, and then you're going to come back and start rebuilding. Then well, you I'm only going by what I've right? read
1: about it. Well.
2: Well, there's always I'm, different I'm, perspectives, right? But and I'm going, going saying, by what I've
1: read about it, the research about what the impact of the Clinton crime bill was. That was a lot a of people bill. were and even bill incarcerated
2: today that it, it was. Not well, it's right not thing
1: popular. It's not popular to say but the Clinton crime bill was a good thing. And the Democrats are actually making former Democrats who did good things, medium things, bad things. Everybody's got to apologize for almost everything they've done. And that doesn't make any sense either.
2: Well, sometimes I think you do have to apologize. If you realize that what you did 10 years ago was a mistake, it's okay to say, But if it
1: wasn't a mistake, you shouldn't have to apologize for it.
0: To that point, bringing it it to... (laughs) It's not
1: relative. I'm making a statement of fact. You don't have to apologize for things that aren't
0: wrong. What do you think of, concretely, Bloomberg apologizing for the stop and frisk and now apologizing for his comments about redlining and so forth? Is it okay? Good, good, Mike. You made mistakes. I'm glad you're apologizing, or do you just see it as pandering?
3: Well, you know, it's it's unfortunate, you know, um, that in politics, uh, we know that everything you've done your entire life comes back to bite you. Right? Yeah. I mean, it that's just the way it is. Normally, we teach our kid when you make a mistake, you do something. Now you go apologize and shake hands, and we're friends and everything is cool. It's not. Unfortunately, this is going to. Uh, uh, you know, um, it's going to bother and it's going to upset. It's going to be a talking point from 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 the right. I, I, I see that, and and some of the people even in uh, you know even on the Democratic side, I see them you know bringing this up on um, you know I'm watching the social media and I'm seeing you know hey is this the guy you're going to support? Look at this, look at this, mm-hmm. and and unfortunately we're we're living in a time where we don't want to be forgiven, we don't want to have let our Christian values come out. We're living it, especially in politics, Jeffy, and you know you've been in this game a long time. What you've done, you've done, you know, um, and and your record. You have to run on your record, what you've done, and I think it's going to hurt Mike um, down the road. I really yes. do. Unfortunately, I accept his apology. I'm one yes. of those. I'm one of those folks that if you say you're sorry, you made a mistake. Okay, cool. Let's you know, no harm, no foul, right? But in politics, it seems like to me that they make you take it to your grave. Yeah, <laughs> I think
2: is what's important is if if you made a community better by violating somebody's constitutional rights, but you made it better. It was still wrong, and you should apologize. Now, being in politics, you know, I take it as it's a it's a business, it's a job. I don't hold people to the same standard of, of what they said two years ago because we should evolve, right? I am not the same Jeffrey Boyd I was in 2003 when I became alderman. I was really hell to deal with. Okay, I'm. A, I pride myself on trying to be more cautious, more thoughtful you know, when I respond to people and how I govern myself. So people should evolve. That's an expectation for me, for everybody, you know, and we learn from each other. I'm sitting here learning from Stacy. Now she said a lot of things I'm going to go have to fact check, but when I find out that it's true, then maybe I can govern myself a little differently and think differently about that.
0: What do you think about the Bloomberg thing, Stacey? The the redlining especially, um, it seems to me that what he said is defend, de, defensible and factually true, but it was not said very well, and now he's backtracking and, oh my gosh, everything. I I was just so wrong about the numbers.
1: Okay, so first of all, Mike Bloomberg, um, on the stop and frisk, it w- it's a controversial policy and was implemented in New York when they had just a, an amazing amount of crime. And so there's some research that shows that it was impactful. I know for the community's perspective, uh, people who were cr- criminals stopped carrying guns and they're they're attributing 20,000 lives have, as having been saved due to people not carrying guns into certain areas of the city and so on and so forth. Um, so the the that one is that one's I'm mixed on that one like I I can't say that was a horrible policy because obviously it had some benefits but. The side shoot of that, it, was, it really made people feel like they were always under the gun with the police. And that is never a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's scary when you think that you walk into a place and the person is checking you out, not because you look like a criminal. You're dressed well, you, you, you know, but they're looking at you hard because you're black or they think you have a gun or they think you're a criminal. I've had that experience. It's horrible. So I can't I can't wholesale say, oh, stop and frisk. Wonderful. Great results. But I also can't discount it because it did have an impact what was the full totality of that impact? Yeah. You know. So, but on the other thing, the redlining—boy, you—you want to see me go volcanic ash and blow this the windows out of this joint? Let's talk about real estate. My husband and I—we've bought homes. We have uh, the last home we bought. They refused to give us the keys after the money had already been wire transferred. The next morning, I called the realtor and said, "Hey, I don't have keys. Are they in the box? What are we doing?" Well, we're going to give them to you a little later today. I said, funds were transferred last night. I double checked. I called the bank. You already have the money. They didn't do it. I actually had to shame them and tell them that I had, at the time, I had a friend who worked at one of the TV stations. I said, if you don't meet me at that building in 20 minutes with the keys, You will be there later because KMOX will be at your office. And then I put it on Facebook and she actually called me. The owner of the entire real estate firm called me and said, I can't believe you're doing this. And I said, you better give me some keys. Or you're gonna see things you never thought possible. Cause I've been so sweet and so nice and I talk like this, but we've already given you 100% of the cost of this home and you have all of it transferred. It's not like we handed them checks. We did a standard real estate transaction. I have other stories. We could do a whole store, we could do a whole show. Three hour D- Dave Glover, Stacey Washington talks St. Louis real estate about the bull crap we've been through as black people just trying to buy homes. So the redlining issue, I understand you don't wanna invest in a neighborhood that's crime infested. But you can't just blanket no no, no, no mortgages in this whole neighborhood. What that does is it tells, uh, like, grocery stores and other businesses that they shouldn't put... So now you have a food desert where people can't buy food. You have to catch a bus and ride 45 minutes to get to a grocery store. So the redlining and his justification of it is proof to me that this man doesn't care about black people and that he harbors some racist intent towards blacks and that he puts money and profit making over human beings. So this is a perfect example of what I would call a disqualifier for a candidate. And my personal experiences, as horrible as they are to me, pale in comparison to what I've heard from other blacks, middle class people who have always had jobs and can get mortgages about the way they've been treated. So I'm not castigating the entire real estate industry. Please don't start typing your emails to me. I'm busy. I'm going to be with the kids in a minute here. But it is true, and it it's something that black Americans go through, and it doesn't matter if you're buying in the city or the suburbs, every black couple has a story about this. Mm. Nobody really wants to hear it. Like, when I've told this story before, I don't get that look where you're just listening and kind of absorbing it. I usually get a dismissive look like, oh, here, we, here go we go again. Yeah, here we go again. Only I'm not that person who's constantly talking about, well, race this and race that. But when I do bring it up, I'm bringing it up to make a point, and it would just be nice if people would acknowledge, wow... That happened to you? Yeah. That sounds like it sucks. You don't have to say every real estate person is bad or racism is the only thing in America. Just acknowledge that I had a crappy experience the same way I would do if you told me about an experience about that. That is all we're really looking for. So, I mean, Mike Bloomberg, he's he's got some issues like, you know, the socialist stuff he and, and his command but, and control. But, 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 but Stacey, this is
3: bad. Stacey, you wouldn't go and vote for Mike Bloomberg. If if he was Jesus, so come on. At the end of the day, wait a
1: minute. That, you, you're not, you're Jesus be, is never going to be on the ballot. Okay,
3: I'm number okay, but one, what I'm and that is, is not never, an accurate never, description. You were never going to vote for him anyway. So he's for I, the I Democratic understand.
1: Party platform, and therefore I would not vote for him. Exactly. Yes, right, right. That is a better way of putting it than bringing so Jesus into it. A like,
3: oh, Jeff and keep question because uh, uh, really, you, know, uh, you, uh, you you were never going to vote for him anyway, and, and I don't think I'm
1: voting for President Trump. We know that because I'm on Blacks for Trump and Vets for Trump, the 2020 coalition. I just heard
2: about that comment actually this morning. Me too. Uh, I'm not a total news junkie where I just all day long I just consume news. So putting that context for me, he said um, – He was basically for, saying that the 2008
0: crisis was – I don't know if if he said primarily, but he said was caused to a degree, a large degree. I, I have
1: the quote here. <laughs> Perfect. It all started back when there was a lot of pressure on banks to make loans to everyone. Bloomberg, now a Democratic presidential candidate, said at a forum hosted by Georgetown University in September of 2008, Quote, redlining, if you remember, was the term where banks took whole neighborhoods and said, people in these neighborhoods are poor. They're not going to be able to pay off their mortgages. Tell your salesman don't go into those areas. And then he continued. And then Congress got involved, local elected officials as well, and said, oh, that's not fair. These people should be able to get credit. And once you start pushing in that direction, banks started making more and more loans where credit of the person buying the house wasn't as good as you would like, end quote. And that's in the L.A.Times.com. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Banks were doing that as early as like 2001. I remember being the housing um, coordinator for the city of Ferguson, and I saw houses flip three times within like 18 months. People just, they were making up fake W-2s. They were doing all this. But that was banks being greedy at the end of the day because some Ferguson wasn't an area that was redlined. It was just an area where the housing value starts declining and people saw an opportunity to go out there and buy a two bedroom bungalow for about 40 grand. But then they didn't understand cash, credit, and collateral. And so they got into these loans with their their real estate wasn't rolled in, their insurance wasn't rolled in. They got uh, 1% that would balloon, you know, after 36 months to like 10% or something ridiculous. So the banks were predatory. And I don't think they had anything to do with redlining. And he was, you know, very wrong on that. I mean, that that was kind of stupid.
0: Hey, we all agree on something. <laughs> all right, we're gonna end it there, Keith. How do people get in touch with you?
3: At Keith Antone on all social media.
0: Jeff, you want people to get in touch with you?
2: Hey, You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeffrey Boyd on Twitter. I'm on Facebook as well.
3: Stacy,
1: I want everyone who's listening to check out stacyontheright.com. We have the St. Louis County Council Diaries, where I've been going to the county council meetings every week and making public comment, and. Blogging about it, so you can learn about your local St. Louis government that has a lot more impact on you than the federal government by going to stacyonthewright.com.
0: Thank you, guys. Excellent thing. Thing.